right, a lot happening. A lot going on. Okay, well, welcome everybody again. Hamp had mentioned to you about the poinsettias, so uh, it would be a blessing if you would enjoy those. Even if you didn't purchase one of them, uh, you're more than welcome to take one if you'd like to have that. So let's pray and ask the Lord's blessings on our time together. Father, as we're jumping now into the new year, boy, it's just um, a lot going on. There is a lot going on, and we thank you for what we would hope to have been the slowdown during the holidays, but as we would all attest to, often the holidays can be very stressful, uh, being around people that we haven't seen for a lot of years and just uh, entertaining folks and going to and fro and just all the things that the holidays bring. We're thankful, Lord. I certainly don't want you to think otherwise, but now that we're into the newest year, this 2020 year, we pray, Father, as you've already heard the prayers of your saints this morning, uh, that we would be a people that follow you from our hearts, not just from our heads, and that we would be hungry for people to be rescued, that would always be on our minds, that we would be a part of the process of seeing souls come to know you, but that we would grow deeper in fellowship with you, that we would become obedient people even more than we've ever been. Lord, when you look upon this little church, we pray that you'd be pleased, that your name would be glorified, and that you would be uh, pleased to use us in a way maybe this year that we've never been used before. And we understand that we have an enemy who wants to keep everything from happening according to your plan, but we thank you that you are the fulfiller of everything that you desire to do. And we're opening our hearts to you as we enter into this year to really look to see you do great and mighty things through us in your name. And now, Lord, we'd ask that you'd open our hearts as we just uh, pause for a minute in our study in Matthew and uh, look to just a couple thoughts to get ourselves started right in this new year. For we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as I was just saying, we're going to take a little break from Matthew chapter 5 just for today. We'll be back in Matthew 5 next week, Lord willing. And thought it would be a good opportunity to just share a couple thoughts with you this morning about, as I said again in the prayer, to get us started, so to speak. I think everybody's kind of, every time a new year comes around, everybody's looking forward to what something is going to be new or what will be new. Those anticipations of what you're hoping to accomplish, whatever those might be. You know, the big buzz these days in church life is 2020, so everybody's going to be talking about 2020 vision in some way. And so I want to talk about that a little bit, but maybe from a little bit of a different angle. As Debbie and I were driving just the other day, I don't know if you're like this or not, but it just seems like the roads are just busy all the time. Anybody testify to that? I mean, it's crazy. We're driving back from Lynchburg late in the evening, and the roads are full of people. It doesn't matter whether it's early in the morning. The roads are full of people. Holidays, Christmas Day, New Year's Day, doesn't matter. And I just started kind of getting frustrated a little bit and said, where are you going on this day or this time? And that kind of seems to be a statement that comes out of my mind a lot. Well, as I thought about that, I got home and I noticed that there was an ad from Costco on the desk. And I'm not advertising Costco here, but it did become kind of interesting to me as I began to look through some of these things. And you get these all the time, right? I thought, what better way to tell what's going on in the mind of a person and where they're going than to read a newspaper ad or some kind of article that would tell us what they're selling. And so as I thumbed through this, I thought, well, here's a good reason. People are running off to get their vitamins 
right? So they can live forever because that's what people really want to do. And then as I was thumbing through this further, I thought, oh, well, here's something else. They're off to get their exercise equipment so they can live forever, right? Because they want to feel good while they're living forever. And then while they're feeling even better on their holiday, they're going to sign up for the cruises and for the extra vacations and things like that. And you see how telling this is of where your mind really is? It's amazing, isn't it? Now, like me, if you have a back problem, you want, well, we'll skip past that. That's uh, Anyway, let's see. What else do we have here? Oh, we've got computers that will help us log everything that we want to keep up with. Okay, and you get the picture here. Then there's even these ginormous TVs that you can buy, and I kind of like that just for sporting events. In fact, I was looking through uh, Best Buy the other day because we're looking to buy some new TVs to replace the screen up here we're going to put on the side. And so we found this. Christy, if you could show us this. We're going to buy two of these. Okay. I don't know why you're laughing. (laughs) But this is serious. This is on Best Buy's website. I actually um, did a screenshot just to show you. So um, some of you really need to give a lot today because, um, well, they're, they're available. Okay, We can go down the plan of leasing them or paying a monthly uh, fee, which is only like $2,300 a month, and that should be fine. That's amazing, isn't it? I had to do a double take. I was at the gym the other day, and I, had to, I told somebody that they said, no, come on, Bruce, there's no way. I said, look, went and grabbed my phone, showed it to them. Now, back during the holidays, prior, prior to New Year's Day, right before Christmas, is when I first saw that, you could have gotten $10,000 off. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good deal. That's a really good deal. So, yeah, we're going to buy two of those. I'm just kidding. Okay, I hope you know that. I'm just kidding about that. And we're going to put them up here on the side. But anyway, so what are people doing with their time? Well, these are the things that people are doing with their time. These are the kind of events that people are going after. And all that made me start questioning what people live for and really what their vision is for the new year. Most everyone wants to know or has some kind of plan for what they hope the new year is going to be all about. And uh, as I've gotten older, I realize that my hearing is not so good. Debbie and I used to be able to kind of mumble to each other. And we would understand that. You know what I'm talking about? And now it's a, what would you say? Kind of a thing. Oh, and then we're like, look at each other like, oh, this is going to be bad. <laughs> because, well, you know. All right. So, and then my seeing, my vision's not as good as it once was. I'm wearing glasses all the time now. And so that's really exciting. But what I do see well, and what I do understand well, is that there's a lot of trouble in this world. And there's a lot of problems in this world. You've been following the news You understand the latest events with Iran, and no doubt that's probably on your mind. And that has a tendency to bring out some fear in us, some apprehension, what's going on here. And I'm not going to talk about politics this morning, but I think it's necessary for us to internally process some of the things, even as Christians, because it brings out our faith, doesn't it? We see what's going on around the world, and we begin to ask questions like, what's going to happen? Are we really going to be at war? What are we going to do? What are our leaders going to do? What are the decisions that are going to be made? What's life going to look like? And those are the kind of things that everybody processes, and we process those very same things. What I'm here to say this morning is we as God's people don't need to be afraid of anything that happens in this world. Amen? Right? 
I mean, we've studied that through the book of Revelation. We've seen it in God's word over and over and over again that God is in full control of every single thing that happens. Remember, there is no authority in place except by God's divine will, right? Romans 13. Now, I will say this too. I am deeply troubled often at the things that I'm hearing out of people who grew up in churches and even people who have grown up in our church that have gone on, adults that have gone on, and some of the things that you see posted today can be very troubling, where there's no real biblical understanding, and that's very troubling to me as a pastor, especially if somebody's grown up in this church. We got to make sure, beloved, that we are following the things that God has told us to follow. And there is no authority, just based on this subject, because that's the hot item right now in the, in the world news, There is no authority unless God has placed them there. Now, that doesn't mean that they're followers of God, right? But God is the supreme God over all. And he will deal with every nation who does not serve him in his own way, in his own time. We don't need to be fearful of that. What we need to do is make sure we're following the things of God, right? And not worry about the things that are going to be happening. Be wise, be smart, be prayerful. Of course, absolutely. Be smart, Uh, Pay attention, but we don't need to be fearful. All right, so I thought this morning, just for a couple minutes, and I'm not going to really keep you long because I do have a back issue this morning and I just uh, don't feel real comfortable standing up. I want to ask you this question. People often want to know, what's the vision for the church? I've talked about this before, but this is a good time to bring it up again. Often the subject will come up to me, what's the vision? What's the plan? Well, I'll share with you my plan through this message, but I want to turn it around and ask you, what's your vision? I'm not talking about just for the church. I'm talking about what is your vision for life? So I want you to think about that just for a minute because you have a life that you're living, right? And so if I were to walk up to you and say, hey, what's your vision? What's your plan? How are you planning to live out the rest of your days? Translated, that means in your vision, just like mine, or just like for the church, everything should be clear spiritually. I'm talking spiritually because that's what we're most concerned about. We talk about the things of the world, but that's not so important as much as it is how we are affected spiritually by the things of the world that are going on. Who are you? Ask yourself that question. Who am I? What am I? What are the things that I like I don't like? What do I hope to accomplish in this life? Okay? Those become a part of vision. Now, if we relate that back to spiritual life, we could ask other questions. For example, if I were to ask you the question, what is the greatest motivating factor of your life? What's the greatest motivating factor of your life? Well, let me answer the question from my perspective if we're talking to the world out here. And unfortunately, this could be the same thought among people in the church world too, but I think more so in the world outside of the church, and that is the main motivating factor, you may disagree with me on this, but I'm pretty sure I'm accurate, is death. That's the main motivating factor. Now go back to the ads. The ads that are given to us all the time, whether it's through paper or television, is always about how you can be something better than you are, right? And the emphasis behind all of that is one day you're going to die, And you're not going to have the opportunity to be all that you want to be. And so death becomes really the main motivating factor. I mean, each of us who are growing older, and that's all of us, right? Even the kids, we're growing older. 
are motivated in this life because we know we only have a certain window of time to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish or be the kind of people that we want to be. And that's just reality. And so ask yourself that question. What do you really want from this world? What is your motivating factor? Some people have said, well, the answer to the question for me is the more toys I have, the better off I will be. Right? The one with the most toys wins kind of a thing. Some people have said that. But Solomon said, and this is kind of the text I want to use. Solomon said at the end of his life, this is David's son, King Solomon, be very familiar to you, that none of this is going to be rocket science. But Solomon said this, look at Ecclesiastes 12, this should be on the screen for us. Solomon at the end of his life, after he had gone through the Costco ads, the Sam's ads, the Walmart ads, all of the ads there were to go through, and he bought everything because he had the money to do it. And he had everything that the world could afford. At the end of it all, this is what he said, the conclusion. When it's all been heard is, fear God and keep his commandments. Because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. In other words, Solomon was more concerned. Listen carefully. Listen to what Solomon said here. He was more concerned about what God thought than he was about his own death. Did you hear that in the text? His motivating factor was not death. His motivating factor when it was all said and done was, what does God think about my life? That's what was motivating him. Notice he says here in verse 14, for God will bring every act to what? To judgment. Everything which is hidden whether it's good or evil. Isn't it interesting that Solomon didn't say what we would say? That when it's all said and done, I hope that I enter into heaven. Okay, that's a good thing. That's right. There's nothing wrong with that. But we don't often add the other part that says, I wonder what God really thinks about my life. I wonder how he is really observing me, and when he does observe me, what he's really thinking. So let me give you five things this morning very quickly that I think we should be thinking about as we go into 2020. Let's call it our 2020 vision. I made mention of something a little bit ago, a few weeks ago, and we'll talk about that briefly in just a second. Number one is, though, I think your vision should be, or our vision should be, an examination of our heart before God. Number one should always be, every day of our life life should be an examination of our heart before God. And you say, where am I coming from? Well, it kind of came to me the other day when Debbie and I were taking down our Christmas decorations and I just was conversing with her about why we go through all of this. And even when I was putting the decorations out in the front of our yard and on the house and all that kind of stuff, our neighborhood really doesn't do that much at all. We seem to be one of the few families there that decorates anything. And that just kind of seems to be the way the world is going. And so it causes me to think, why am I doing all of this? But then the answer easily came to me, and that is because we want to celebrate the birth of Christ, right? We're excited about the coming of Christ. And so we want the world to know that this is our Lord. We put the manger scene out. We put the lights up. And we're excited about the day that the angels sang and proclaimed that the Messiah was born. That's why we do it. But then as you're taking everything down, you start thinking about it again. And we're wrapping up some little trinkets and little items from the tree. And and I thought to myself, you know, what we really should be doing is not just decorating the house... That's critical. Let's do that. That's fun. 
But every day, we really should be decorating our hearts. Shouldn't we? I mean, shouldn't we be just so decorating, for lack of better words, the inner self so much before God that He is just greatly pleased with us? And if you take Christmas and you just think about the joy of the package and the surprise and the the awe of what somebody gives to you, what a joy it would be to open your heart like a package to the Lord and Him just be, wow, what beauty. How awesome is that? Thank you. Just like we do to the loved ones, we say thank you so much for thinking about me and listening to me and getting me this gift. Boy, you were really listening. You were paying attention to what I was saying this year and you put some thought behind it. Wouldn't it be a joy to just hear the Lord say, you know what, you were really paying attention, weren't you? You really did listen to my word and you have decorated your heart throughout your life to the point where I'm greatly pleased with you. That's a great phrase to write down in your Bible. I want to decorate my heart every day of my life. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 10. I want to share several scriptures with you on these points. According to the grace of God which was given to me, Paul knew where he was coming from, didn't he? Like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it, but each man must be careful, listen, how he builds on it. For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on the foundation of gold or with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day, and that day that Paul is talking about here is the Bema judgment seat or the Bema seat judgment. That's the judgment that each born-again person will go through. It's not a loss of salvation, which we'll see in just a second from Paul, but it's a revealing of the heart, if you will where the works of the heart are exposed before the Lord. Listen to how he says this. For the day will show it because it is to be revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. You see, so he's talking about believers here. This is not for the unsaved. This is talking about believers. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. In other words, he's not going to see the rewards for that. But he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. So what are we saying here? There needs to be an examination of our hearts. There needs to be a regular examination of our hearts. The word examine simply means to test, to think about seriously. When you're driving down the road and you're processing where everybody's going, how many people do you really think are prayerfully talking to the Lord about what they see or what God sees in their hearts. I don't know. That's God's business. But I would venture to say not very many people. Most people are after the ads, right? Or what the ads are selling them. Going to and fro. We need to be a people who regularly in our vision have an examination of our hearts. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 13. Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, dash, 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 unless indeed you fail the test. You see how simple the Lord is making this? He's simply saying to each of us throughout our days, we need to regularly examine our hearts and examine whether Christ is really in there. And if he's not, 
there's a good possibility and reality that you're failing the test. So the purpose of Paul's whole question here really comes from his concern in his first letter. This is his second letter. So this concern comes from his first letter, specifically that the people of the church was living immoral lives. And Paul was writing to them to say, you cannot be really examining your lives and living for Christ if there's immorality that's rampant in your life. That's specifically the subject that he's dealing with. But we could use the same understanding and say, as I examine my heart on a daily basis in this new year, what is God seeing there? What am I seeing there that needs to be dealt with? You say you belong to Christ. And Paul's saying, how can that be? How can it be that you belong to Christ? Do you say you belong to Christ when there is this kind of immorality, talking to the Corinthian church uh, specifically? So the question is, or his question is, have you examined yourself? Have you looked deeply into your heart? Are you, the idea is continually examining yourself. Yes, that is a daily basis. This is not a check the block, I'm good here, let's move on. Every morning when we wake up, every night when we go to bed, we should be saying, Lord, how am I doing? Am I really living my life for you? So Paul says, if you are in Christ, you'll be doing that. 2 Corinthians 12, 21, Paul says, I am afraid that when I come again, he's talking to the church, same church in Corinth, my God may humiliate me before you and I may mourn over many of those who have sinned in the past and not repented of the impurity, the immoral, immorality, and sensuality which they have practiced. In other words, Paul's saying, listen, if I come back to see you and to worship with you, what am I going to find? Am I going to mourn over the sin that's in you because your life is being or your life is exposing what's really going on there. We've said this a thousand times in the last year if we've said it once, that our hearts live out through our actions what we believe, right? And so it's not hard to examine ourselves. We just look at the fruit. We look at what we're exposing, and it'll become very evident for us, and the Lord will make it evident for us. So the primary vision that we should be having is, do I see Christ in me? Is he alive and working in my soul? Secondly, our vision should be to, which should be obvious by now, to imitate Christ. Not just an examination, but now that we've examined ourselves, we want to see Christ there, and so we want to imitate him. He is the one that is, is to be modeled. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul said this very clearly when he was talking to the same church. Be imitators of me. Now, Paul wasn't bragging on himself. Paul was one of the most humble men there was. But notice what he says, just as I also am of Christ. In other words, yes, I am your physical picture. Christ is now with the Father, but imitate the life that I'm living because I'm doing all that I know how to, to imitate Christ himself. You know, we spend so much time, beloved, so much time, so much energy trying to be something that we're not. It's true, isn't it? I mean, every one of us have goals and aspirations that we want to either be like somebody. Every one of us have some kind of hero. We want to achieve some amazing goal. We want to be recognized by the world. I think really the reality of our sinfulness is is that even though we're well-intentioned, we would like to stand in the front of every line and say, look at me, how great I am. I mean, that's the sinful flesh. Now, we may say, oh, no, I really don't want that. But deep down, 
There's not a soul on the planet that really, really, really wants to live on a deserted island in a little hut by themselves where nobody ever sees them again. If they say that's what they really want, there's something really wrong there. But I don't think any person really wants that. No, we really want to be somebody that everybody looks up to. So many people would say in their passing, I wish I could just be like so-and-so. Man, I wish I had that ability. Oh, if I could just play the piano like Missy. If I could play the guitar like Hamp. If I could just look as good as Pastor Bruce. Forget about it. <laughs> See how sin just comes out? It just shouldn't be there, right? You know, you love me and I love you. That's why I can say things like that. Can I, can I just add this little footnote? For those of you that are visiting with us, sometimes I say things I probably shouldn't say. And uh, forgive me for that, but our folks know me well enough to know when I'm joking. And uh, the Lord knows that that's, that's certainly not true. The point is, though, we really do spend so much time trying to be like others. Well, God is saying, hey, listen, you want to be like somebody? Here's my son. Be like him. Be imitators of him. He is the model. Don't get lost in all of the people and the things, and the, whether past or even present or future, but go after Jesus. You know, what does it mean, then, to imitate Jesus? What does that really look like? Well, we don't have a lot of time, but we could summarize it this way. He set aside his life for the sake of others. That was his whole plan, his whole purpose in coming. He became a bondservant, and that was a technical term, and he was purchased, really, to be the servant. And he certainly did that. He humbled himself. He lowered himself to be the servant of men. Doesn't that just blow your mind? That the God of all creation would bring himself down to our level? And you say, wait a minute. He didn't bring himself down to my level. I'm the best. I'm the greatest. At least I think I am in my own mind. But just even saying that defies everything that God is because he's the greatest, right? Right? And we're to be servants of his. The whole reason that God came to save us is because he wants us to be like him. To model him. So that the rest of the world will be rescued. Listen, how is the world going to know him if we don't exemplify who he is? And how are we going to exemplify who he is if we don't model him? Every day this is what we should be thinking. Romans 8.29, Paul would say to the church in Rome, For those he... Whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed, what? To the image of his son. That's why God saved us. God didn't just save us, beloved, to get us to heaven. That's really the bonus. He saved us to be like Jesus. To model him. So that we would share the same truth with other people. Well, People will say, well, hey, listen, pastor, I'm not Jesus. I've had people say that to me, actually. Yeah, that's good, but I'm not Jesus. No, I'm not Jesus either. But listen, that can also be an excuse. God never gives us something that he wants us to do and never gives and doesn't give us the uh, ability to do it. We have been given the Holy Spirit, right? He resides in us. We're the church. We're the ones who have been born again. And so he lives in us. He gives us the power to live the life that Christ would have us to live, to be the imitators of his life and of his work. Jesus had a vision for himself. You know what it was? Can you guess what Jesus' vision was? It was to imitate the Father. I mean, this is not a new trick. 
This is not something new. But Jesus, Paul says, hey, church, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Why? Because Jesus imitated his father. Listen, John 15, 19, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Now, that was in his humanity as he came here in his full deity as well. But he let go of, there are some theological terms here. I'll just make it as simple as I can. He set aside, if you will, his deity in certain ways. He didn't stop being God, but he suspended is the word I like to use, hung out there, if you will, separated himself from a time of those attributes that he had. And that's why he is in subservience in his role to the Father. Unless it is something he sees the Father doing, Jesus says of himself, for whatever the Father does, those things the Son also does in like manner. He watched the Father. He did what the Father told him to do. John 12, 49, for this is Jesus again. I did not speak on mine own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. Listen, what is your vision? I hope it's to be like Jesus. He's our model, right? He's our model. Thirdly, our 2020 vision should be to serve others. To serve others. First Peter 4, 7 through 10, the end of all things is near. Now listen to Peter for just a minute. Peter was a man who, now Jesus had gone by this time, and there was a tremendous amount of persecution coming from Rome against the Christians. And Peter is writing in 1 Peter to those people who are dispersed now because of persecution. And you can imagine the fear that must have been in their hearts. The anxiety that must have been just overwhelming them. And so Peter is saying, even as of his own self, he doesn't have the mind of God in this. God is writing through him, but Peter is saying this. Listen, the end of all things is near, therefore be of sound judgment. In other words, listen, your life might be over soon. We don't know what's going to happen. Nero may come and light you as a torch for his road. That was the reality of what was happening. So he says, look, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Be fervent in your love for one another. We were just talking earlier. Uh, I was talking earlier with someone about the stress and the anxiety that comes around the holidays of being around family. Right? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it's stressful being with those folks. Right? We love them. But boy, when the holidays come, it's hard to be together. All in one room, bound up together, everybody putting on their plastic face, trying to be nice. And hopefully that was certainly not the case with you, but it was really genuine. Peter says this, the mark, the imitation of a true believer is that you serve one another. That's what Jesus did, right? Isn't it interesting how we like to pick and choose what we want to follow with Jesus? We'll say things like, oh, well, I'm not talented in this or that. I'll talk about that in a second. Or, that's pretty hard, Jesus. I think I'll just do this instead. When there really are no caveats, the Lord's saying, no, you imitate me, which means you do everything that I tell you to do. That's what he did with the Father. Peter says the end of all things is near. And Peter thought that because he understood, listen, life is short. Isn't that true? I didn't hear any amens. Some of y'all don't believe that, do you? It's true. Life is short. Keep your vision on the right things. 
Let's not get lost. I'm talking about us as a church. Again, this is kind of a, a summary thought or a preamble thought, if you will, to the new year. That we keep our focus. That when we're looking at the road ahead of us as a church family, we're really thinking clearly, specifically here. And so Peter's saying, listen, life is short, so keep some things in mind. Look at verse 9 in First Peter again. Be hospitable to one another and without complaint. So why do you think the Spirit had to add that? Because of what I just said. Okay. Now, hospitality was different from what we think about it today. In the, hospi- uh, uh, the hospitable world then, uh, there were no real hotels. If there were hotels, they were usually flea-infested. Uh, they were pretty nasty places. They were expensive, and only the wealthy could afford them, and people really didn't want to stay there anyway. And so the Lord says to his people, hey, you be hospitable to even strangers and don't do it while you're complaining under your breath which is kind of what we do so and so wants to come over okay or you mean I got to be nice to people that I really don't want to be nice to yeah that's what the Lord says that's what he did right I mean the Lord was nice to you when you weren't nice to him The Lord is always kind and loving. And so he says, be hospitable. That means give your possessions. If somebody needs something, give it to them. Don't sit and try to discern everything. That doesn't mean don't be wise, but give it to them. Open your home. Open your heart. Offer your possessions, your time, your energy, whatever it might be. Verse 10, use your gifts that God gave you to serve each other. And there are only basically two types of gifts spoken about in the Bible. Those are the speaking gifts and the serving gifts. They kind of summarize under those two headings. Lots of things are mentioned here. I'll mention them in just a second. Peter says in chapter 4, making reference to the gifts, whoever speaks, he's talking about the proclamation, the giving, the teaching of the word, is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. In other words, Don't pretend like when you've got the word of the Lord that you're like, well, now listen, you might want to pay attention to this or think about this. No, you say, no, this is God's word. Listen to what he's saying. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. In other words, sometimes, beloved, let's just be honest. It comes down to the work of the church throughout the year and people will go, man, I'm just tired. Well, there's a reason for that. It's probably because either you're spending so much energy outside the church wearing yourself out. That's number one as a possibility. Number two is if you're worn out inside the church, it's because you're trying to do it all because there's only a few people who go around to do that. Hint, hint. Meaning there should be a body of people serving or speaking, whatever it may be. And we to do this, notice this in verse 11 so that in all things God may be glorified, how? Through Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's the one we imitate. You do realize, again, as we're starting this year out, this church belongs to Jesus, right? This is his. This is his stuff. This is his building. It all belongs to him. So let's revamp ourselves and remember that we are to imitate him in everything we do and don't do it with a complaining heart. But enjoy the blessings of God. 1 Corinthians 12, back to that, Paul says, each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit 
And we'd like to stop right there and say, wonderful. I'm so glad that I have the gifts of the Spirit. But he adds this, for the common good. In other words, the reason as a born-again person you have certain giftedness is not to hoard it. It's not so you can do like you do on Christmas Day as a child and say, no, that's mine. But we say, thank you, Lord. Now help me use it for the body. Let me use my gifts, whatever they may be, for the good of everybody who comes along. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith, to another the gifts of healing. We'll talk about all those at some point. And to another the effects of miracles, and another prophecy, to another the the distinguishing of spirits, various kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. Why? For the common good. For the blessings of the church. So God's people will be edified. Notice back in verse 7. Each one is to be given the manifestation, or each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Again, do you understand, beloved, that your gifts were given to you for the benefit of the church? That's why God gave them to you. I'm really driving this here because there are many people, and this is a rule that goes across all churches, And businesses alike, basically 10% of the people do the balance of the work. That just shouldn't be. It is a tried and true principle. You can talk to business people in the production world, in the retail world, and they'll tell you that very truth. It's called the Pareto Principle. And I don't know where it came from or why it works the way it does, but it manifests itself even in the church. And the Lord is saying, listen, if you're really a part of my church and you're imitating me and this all belongs to me and I gave you these gifts and I expect you to use them for my glory, for the common good of everybody who's a part of the church. Okay? So as we're looking down the pike we need to be asking ourselves, what's my 2020 vision even when it comes to the things of the church? How am I to be serving? What ways has God gifted me to use for His service? Think about that. We should constantly be understanding that. Really, the reality is, beloved, we should never have to ask for help. It should really be always like it was in the days that Moses was leading the people out of... uh, Uh, Egypt. You remember the situation where the people gave so much gold and trinkets and whatever it was, Moses had to say, that's enough. Good grief, we can't use all of this. But the people's hearts were so right that they just gave. Now listen, this church, you guys, have been wonderful in your life givings throughout the years. But what really should always be the case is we should be asking every day, Lord, what do you want me to give for you today? And I'm not just talking material. I'm not talking about financially, I mean. I'm talking about of our time and our talents. That should be our vision. How do I do this, Lord? Show me where you want me to serve. Paul would go on in 1 Corinthians 12, and he'll talk about that more. I won't take time to read all of that. But he basically says this. Some people desire the better gifts. Some people say, oh, well, I mean, I'm just an elbow. 
What can I do? I mean, look at the hand. Good grief. Everybody sees those, and they're so useful, and they're so strong and so powerful. And what about the eye? Oh, my goodness, I'll never be an eye. So what I'll do is I'll just kind of not do anything because I don't have any reason to do anything. And God addresses all of that in this section by saying, look, even the parts of our body that we don't show anybody else, some of the most simplest hidden things of our body are the most important. And what's the Lord saying? He's saying, you should be using what I gave you. Some, yes, are the hands. Some are the voice. Some are the head. Some are the feet. Some are the whatever. Just use what I gave you to be an imitator of me. Is that pretty clear? That should be our vision as we go into the new year. All right, let's keep going here and we'll be almost done. Your vision should be to worship God. That should be self-explanatory. We come to worship the Lord. What is worship? Worship means, in the technical sense of the word, means to kiss the hand or to bow the head. It's to humble ourselves. And we come in humility always. We should always live a life of humility. That's why I said what I did earlier, you know, I was joking about myself and I'm just being funny with that. But the reality is that we need to be humble people always considering others better than ourselves, looking for the opportunities throughout the year to give of ourselves out of a worship for the Lord. Romans 12:1. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, and hadn't God been merciful? Has he? Yes. Has God been merciful? Yes, God has been merciful. Let's go back to the same thing we've talked about before. How many of you all woke up this morning and you drew in your deep breath and you said, thank you, Lord, for the ability to breathe? I mentioned earlier, and some of you already know this, I've had a back issue, and one of the things that God has brought brought to my mind often is prayer for people who have back issues. You kind of understand it better. I've had a little bit of a skin issue that's been going on for a couple months now, and I'm praying, Lord, help those that have skin issues. We're humbled before the Lord because of his mercies, his great mercies before us to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your, in some translations say, your reasonable service of worship. In other words, if God has been so merciful to you and me, isn't it just reasonable Isn't it just logical, which, by the way, the world is losing in a big way? Logic I'm talking about. But we have God's people and have the Spirit in us. Isn't it just reasonable that our hearts are full of desire to worship Him? I hope that's true. And finally, our vision should be to live according to the Word of the Lord. According to the Word of the Lord. Simple obedience. Just simple obedience. That really is the foundation for a lot of these things. That takes us back to what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 12 where we started. Fear God. Okay, there it is. God is number one. Really, he's talking about honoring God. But secondly, keep his commandments. Keep his commandments. You want to know what to teach your kids, parents? You want to know what to teach grandkids? You want to know what to think about as a person? Two things. Fear God and keep his commandments. It's really that simple. Samuel would say, uh, Samuel would write in 1 Samuel 15, Samuel saying, talking to Saul here, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings? Because Saul, who was king at the time, thought he could get God's favor by doing 
But he was wrong. God's not so concerned about doing. He's concerned about the heart. You see how this brings us full circle. As he is in obeying the voice of the Lord? No. No, Saul. You missed the point. No, church. Don't miss the point. God is not concerned about your great sacrifice. He's concerned about your heart. That's what he wants. And he wants my heart. Jeremiah 7, For I did not speak to your fathers or command them in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings and sacrifices. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice. Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. And you will walk in all the way which I command you, that it may be what? Well with you. Isn't that awesome? God's not just saying, Hey, I just want you to obey me because I'm God. No, I want you to obey me, yes, because I'm God, but also because I want to bless you. I want you to be honored. I want your life to be whole and satisfying even to you. Hosea 6.6, For I delight in loyalty rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. And then Jesus would bring it up in Mark chapter 12. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's what the Lord says. So let me go back to our initial question. What's your vision? What's your vision? Well, some years ago I put this kind of thing down in simple phrases, and you may have seen it around. I hope you will. If you're part of the new members class, you've seen this. Three things, basically. Reaching, to show people that we care. Teach, because we want to grow. And then finally, minister, so we'll show Christ's love. Reaching, teaching, and ministering. To me, that summarizes just about everything that God could want in a vision. We want people to know. But we, won't, we don't want them just to know. You know, I've met so many people that were born again, but they grew up in a church that didn't teach anything else about the text of Scripture, and they become somewhat biblically ignorant. I'm not faulting. I'm just saying that's reality. So we want to get people saved, we want to teach them, and then we want to minister to others. That's the cycle that should be happening here. Reaching, teaching, ministering. And the symbol for all of that is what we came up with. Christy, if we could show that right quick. You probably cannot see this, and I apologize for that. But if you've been in the new members class, you know that <clears throat> this is a wheel. <clears throat> Christ is everything. He's the center. And so our church is divided up into five teams that encompass all the things that we've talked about here. We have a worship team. We have a missions team. We have an education team, a business team, and a fellowship team. And this wheel is constantly moving around the Lord Jesus Christ. At least that's the idea. The problem is, you and I are fallible, right? We're sinful. And so there becomes holes or there, there are gaps in the wheel. And so a lot of times, the wheel will roll very smoothly and it'll go thunk, thunk, thunk. Sometimes it'll go thunk, 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 smooth. Sometimes it's thunk, 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 thunk. You get it? We want this to be nice and smooth. Why? Not just so we can say, hey, look how great we are, but because we want to say, look how awesome our God is. He is the motivation for my life. He's the one I'm after. And I want to be a part of the wheel of life around Christ. 
All right, each month now, just from practical speaking here, I'm going to give to you a new way. Every month is going to have a little bit of a different theme to it, and we're going to stay in Matthew. We'll have some interruptions along the way, but each month there's going to be an emphasis on some attribute or some situation that's going to help us to grow spiritually. January is prayer and fasting. That should be pretty obvious. We're starting today on 21 days of prayer and fasting. And so in my mind, as I see it in the text of Scripture, what better place can we start with than in prayer and fasting? Why? Because it's challenging, but it's also our communication link between us and God. Nothing has any meaning unless we're communicating well with the Lord, right? Have you ever noticed that when your spiritual life begins to decline, life doesn't go so well? If you're honest, you'll say, yeah, that's true. When you were really walking with the Lord and you were in tune with Him and in touch with Him, you were saying, man, I just feel better inside. can't really explain it. You just feel better. Maybe that everything else is not so great, but internally you just feel better. Well, that's why we need to start with prayer and fasting and be serious about this. If you've not joined us yet or you haven't decided or maybe you're saying, ah, it's just too challenging, I want to encourage you. Listen, God will give you the strength to fast from something. It's a heart issue. It's not about legalism. It's about the heart. That should be clear. And so say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be a part of your church. I want to grow. I want to imitate Christ. And here's how I'm going to express that through this time of listening to you and denying myself of something that's important to me, whatever that might be for you. You decide. And really listening to what the Lord would have us to to hear from him. So, next month will be something different. What we really need to be doing, beloved, as we finish this thought, and then I want to read to you a final conclusion here. We need to be reaching into our hearts, reaching into our hearts, so that we will be changing according to what God has said for us to, to be like. Okay? Pretty simple. Let me, let me read to you something. I don't know if you've ever seen this or not. <clears throat> our son Christian has had it. It's a long-standing Puritan tradition, for lack of better words. It's called the Valley of Vision. Anybody ever heard of this? It's a series of Puritan prayers. And the Puritans were the people who back in the um, 1600s, 1700s, broke off from the Church of England predominantly. And they were the reformers, if you will, the Protestants who began a lot of that, came to this country for religious freedom. But they had phenomenal insight into the spirit world and into the things of God. And so every day it's designed to be somewhat like a devotional. And this was one that I was on recently, and I thought as I picked it up again this morning, this would be very fitting to hear the heart of a Puritan as they were talking about themselves to God. So let me just read this, and then we'll pray, and we'll be done. It's called Man's Great End. Lord of all being. There's one thing that deserves my greatest care that calls forth from my ardent desires. That is, that I may answer the great end for which I am made, to glorify thee who hast given me being, and to do all the good I can for my fellow men. Verily, life is not worth having if it be not improved for this noble purpose. Yet, Lord, how little is this the thought of mankind. Most men seem to live for themselves, without much or any regard for thy glory or for the good of others. They earnestly desire and eagerly pursue the riches, the honors, the pleasures of this life, as if they suppose that wealth, 
greatness, and merriment could make their immortal souls happy. But alas, what false delusive dreams these are. And how miserable are those that sleep in them. For all our happiness consists in loving thee and being holy as thou art holy. Oh, may I never fall into the tempters and vanities, the sensuality and the folly of the present world. It is a place of inexpressible sorrow and a vast empty nothingness. Time is a moment, a vapor, and all its enjoyments are empty bubbles, fleeting blasts of wind, from which nothing satisfactory can be derived. Give me grace always to keep in covenant with thee and to reject as delusion a great name here to hereafter, together with all sinful pleasures or profits. Help me to know continually that there can be no true happiness, no fulfilling of thy purpose for me, apart from a life lived in and for the Son of thy love. The Puritans didn't understand. And again, I just picked that up this morning. I didn't write this sermon because of this. It's amazing, isn't it? To live such a simple, humble life simply because of Jesus. Now, I have to be honest with you. I could stand up here and I wrestle with this so much in my flesh to come up with some of the latest, most exciting things that you'll run out of here and you'll say, man, run to Laurel Hill Baptist Church because they got the best flea circus you've ever seen. Some of the kids are going, flea circus? They don't know what that is. I'm tempted with that all the time. But then I'm continually brought by God's word back to the simple truths of, no, you know what God wants for this church? He wants us to follow Jesus. That's it. Simple obedience. And from that obedience, we will go out of here and we will live as lights and examples to our neighbors around us. Okay? I like God's vision, don't you? A whole lot better than my vision. I want the $70,000 TV. But we'll go with the Lord's vision. All right, let's pray together. Father, how could we conclude today without starting off with how amazing you are and how blessed we are, full of your tender mercies? Lord, as a church, as I'm just the spokesperson here just for a moment in our prayer, Lord, how we're just so overwhelmed with your goodness to us, even in the physical body as it's growing older and changing in many ways. Lord, it's, it's kind of interesting how we look on Facebook or we look at the, uh, the images that our uh, phones give to us about the past years and we look and see how few more wrinkles than there were in that day and the children are much bigger now and we start having thoughts about where their lives are and where they're going and we just realize that things are changing but we're so thankful, Lord that your mercies are new every day. Thank you, Father, that you've given us each other to live this life, that you've not left us alone, either physically or spiritually, because your spirit dwells in us. And so, Lord, as we embark now with you for whatever these days ahead will look like, we pray that you would guide us always, that you would give us a spirit of discernment, that you'd give us a spirit of eagerness, of anticipation, of excitement, simply knowing that you are God on the throne and you are going to fulfill your plans perfectly. 
for each of us individually and for us as a people. Thank you, Lord, that as Solomon said, there's coming a day where all of this will be over and there's going to be a judgment. And it's going to be a good and righteous and a holy judgment for those who belong to you. We thank you, Lord, that it's not the losing of our salvation. That's not possible. But it will be the trying of our works. So, Lord, may our works as we go into this new year be reflectors of your image, not because we're trying to gain favor with you, but because we want to simply honor you and and obey you. So, Lord, as always, I pray that you do in each of our hearts as you plan to do. We're all in a little different place, all on the same journey, some a little further ahead of others. But, Lord, we're still on our way to your city, to your kingdom. And, Lord, grow us and make us like Christ today. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.